When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Continental Tyres. AFL Trade Radio. The early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. Yeah, it's a very good morning to you, and what a morning it is. The biggest trade in AFL history went down last night. The man who broke the story, Kautumi, is going to join us in a matter of minutes. Chris Davies, also GM of football at Port Adelaide. They were heavy players in this and have taken what is probably the biggest risk in club history to get the number one draft pick, Jason Horn francis back. And we want your feedback, North fans. I'm interested in how you've assessed the deal. one 48 It is the early trade for tyre power. Tyre experts you should always trade with. And Matthew Lloyd is my co-host. And Lordo, there's been some marquee days throughout the history of trade radio. And yesterday was one of those. Good morning to you. Hey, Kano, my audio might be down. Can you hear no, me? you're good. You're good. Crystal clear, Lordo. Oh, you can't, Lord, I can't hear me, but I can hear him. We'll speak to Kautumi very shortly. Already the texts are coming through. Not happy, North fan. We are giving up two number one picks for two and three just to get probably pick 14 next year. Only North could do a deal that looks um, worse than other clubs, says Bolts. And Brady Rawlings said they rate three draftees equally, but then said you never know what we might end up with the player we rate the highest. This means we might miss out on our most desirable player it doesn't make any sense. Those texts are coming through. Lord, I'll see if I've got you now. Not Lord, I can't hear me. We'll get Cow to me up very, very shortly. If you want to jump on the phone and have your say, you can do so with me. We've got a big morning, couple of hours coming up. Truth or spin will make its way back. And all the news of the day, including a big bombshell from GWS with their links to Hawthorne's Jagger O'Meara. Lord, no, I can... Can you know he's looking at me? I'm looking at him, he's going no, no good. So I'm just going to sit here and talk to myself, which is good. Um, and we'll also get truth or spin. And I want to get uh, some audio from Craig Cameron on the Gold Coast who spoke to Sports Day yesterday about how he's feeling at losing Isaac Rankin. So we will do that. We'll get to Kautumi now, in fact, and he can save the day because he's the man that broke the story yesterday on this mega blockbuster trade that we thought had been halted but then was rekindled yesterday. Cal, have I got you there from afl.com.au? Good morning. No, don't have Cal either. So what I might do is... uh, I've got Cal now. Good morning to you, Cal. Hey, Kane. Big deal yesterday, and it was good to see it all go through. Oh, it was amazing. So take us through this because we thought it was on, then we thought it was off on the back of some AFL rulings. What was the catalyst for the AFL allowing this deal to actually go through? 
Well, in the end, Port Adelaide obviously uh, originally wanted to move out its future first-round pick and its future second-round pick. Now, the AFL said, no, you can't do that. So they went back to the drawing board, and essentially what needed to happen was for Port Adelaide to move out those first and second-round picks, they needed to get a second-round pick in. And that meant that Greater Western Sydney came to the party and threw in their future second-round pick for next year, which they uh, gained via um, the Bobby Hill trade. So they Mm. threw that one in. It's tied to Collingwood. That one's now with Port Adelaide. And essentially, that was the catalyst to to make sure that everyone had enough pieces for this to be approved by the AFL. And and every trade is approved by the AFL, Kane, as we know. But this one, of course, um, meant for a little bit more work just to make sure that every detail was in place. But... We always say that trades don't live in isolation and the Bobby Hill trade essentially has made sure that this mega deal, probably the biggest trade we've ever seen in footy history, um, has been able to go through. And and I think when you look at it and break it down, uh, each club got out its objectives off the trade. So I think that's where you look at a big deal and that's very hard to happen um, to satisfy so many parties when so much is at stake and and emotions are involved and and young players are involved and, and these type of things. But... I feel like every club was asked what they wanted to do out of the deal. So talk to me about North Melbourne's objectives because they're the one I guess we're we're focusing on because two first round dra- two first picks in the draft number one picks gone Horn Francis eleven months in plus this year's pick one they get two three and a future first round pick in so they're the club that I think is the most interesting out of this. What were their objectives and the prospect that they may not get the key forward that the Giants want, Cadman, in the draft? Can you give us the perspective of North? Yeah, well, I think that um, they made the best out of a situation that um, was was unfolding in front of them for, for Jason Horn Francis. For, for moving out a number one pick a year on into his career, I think nearly the best result you can get is to get pick two the next year. So they were able to to do that through that swap of selections with West Coast that came into this mega deal. And, of course, the future first-round pick next year, as well as move into to pick number three. Now, clearly, they have their eyes on two of the best talents um, in the top three. And, essentially, they just wanted to add to their, their midfield and, and forward line without searching for the key forward, which um, Greater Western Sydney have their eye on in Aaron Cadman. So... Um, everyone views the draft differently, and that's always been the case. That's always going to be the case. And, and clearly they viewed um, a, a, a vote of two and three as better than just holding the one. Now, if you break it down as well, Horn Francis essentially got pick two and one of the picks in the 40s, and then pick one um, got them, you know, three and a future first-rounder. So, you know, even up, it, it ended up quite solid for them out of a, a wreckage in terms of uh, Jason Horn Francis wanting to leave after a year. So... I think they've done the best out of a situation for them that was obviously in front of them. Clearly, this is not how they would have planned things to go at the end of last year. But I like the fact that they've at least put they've got on the front foot in this big deal and, and, and made some bold calls. The next one could be, Kane, though, that pick three would be mm. open for offers as well. So I think pick two will stay with North Melbourne, definitely. But I feel like pick three is still open for offers and clubs could come for that if they can split it again and, and generate another top pick because... Um, they'd be open to that at, at the right deal, uh, keeping another foot at the front of the draft, of course. Morning, Cal. Uh, would uh, G- GWS or the sorry North had asked for a guarantee from GWS that you you are going to take Cadman, and there's no change of heart whatsoever because 
would they not have done it, for example, if, say, GWS wanted Sheasel or a Wardlaw or a Sardis, those types, just that, okay, if you want Cadman, we're not going to take him. So, yeah, would they get that in writing, for example, that, okay, you are going to stick with Cadman, there's no change of heart over the next month? No, they wouldn't get it in writing, Lloydie, but there might be an inference there. But, look, I think it's pretty clear as well from the Giants' point of view that they want to keep forward and they um, have identified Aaron Cadman as uh, a big country prospect who um, is very happy to move. And, and there are players within the top 10 of the draft that um, I feel like have probably got uh, flight risk on them. And um, I don't think that Aaron Cadman strikes anyone as being one of those. So uh, I think that's part of the appeal for the Giants to move up. And, and clearly still a need. They haven't used their early picks in recent years on key forwards. It's very hard to find a key forward that fits the bill at the top end of the draft and the one they're happy with and one that's happy to move. So I think that's part of um, clearly the Giants' plan. And for North Melbourne, should they hold pick two and three and keep them in the draft in, in six weeks' time or so, um, if they can get two of Sheasel and Wardlaw or Sardis, that ends up with a pretty good combination. I, I think there's a very strong chance that Sheasel is one of those selections. And then they might have to work out what the, the midfield mix is. Do they prefer Wardlaw, who's more of a Horn Francis type, given his explosiveness and power and ability to go forward and jump and mark and those type of things, versus Sardis, who's an inside-outside midfielder who you know averaged 33 touches at Nab League level this year and, and is a, a ball magnet. So um, they've got their options now. So the West Coast Eagles, they now have pick 8 and 12, uh, let go of pick 2. So do you view that they are looking at two Western Australians around that selection or they just wanted two picks instead of one? You can't guarantee it, but they are a chance to have Ruben Jimby available at pick eight. I think there's a chance he's gone before that as well. But I think the appeal for West Coast as well has been to to just maximise their early talent. And this gives them four picks inside 26. Um, This year gives them a really strong hand for the draft next year. And Junior Rioli was a part of that, clearly, but he was out of contract. So the amount of control you have over those sort of um, trade decisions is relatively limited when he's out of contract and there's always the threat of the preseason draft if things go awry. So uh, I, I like it from West Coast's point of view. They were able to turn two into eight and 12, and they should pick up two really strong players there. We talk about the West Australians, who could be around that mark. Is, is one of them, um, Ruben Jimby, who was a star at the NAB AFL Draft Combine over the weekend. Is Elijah Hewitt one of them? He could still be available maybe even at their third pick. Jed, Jed Buslinger. Um, who's a key defender who hasn't played much since mid-season, but certainly um, is in that group. But the other part about West Coast is they haven't been afraid to draft Victorians as well. They, they moved up the order, or moved back down the order last year, knowing that they'd have a shot at Campbell Chesser, who's a Victorian, and they've done it previously over the years as well. We know Liam Duggan um, way back in 2014 when there was other options available to them as well. So I don't think they're dead set on... Um, uh, a West Australian just because of the, the postcode, but uh, certainly there'll be a couple in that mix. So Port now stump up, uh, you know, a six-year contract. You'd think big money for Jason Horn Francis. H- how would you compare him, say, to Wardlaw and Sardis and Sheasel in in comparison as as footballers? You know, only twelve months different in age. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, he's probably got more runs on the board given he, he played a full season of senior level last year for South Adelaide. And even before that, as a 16-year-old, had had a taste of that as well. 
and then 17 AFL games. So there's a lot that we've seen of Jason Horn Francis, and, and it's very, very exciting. The local factor clearly is also um, important given Port Adelaide's in this mix, and it's very hard to get players to, who aren't from South Australia to go back to, to Adelaide. So they've, they've seized an opportunity there and, and gone and got it done. Um, Wardlaw is a similar type of player, I'd say, as I mentioned before. Um, and, and Sardis is a little bit different, but um, I feel like, yeah, if, if you're Port Adelaide, um, that it makes sense to, to move up the board and try and do that. The other reality of that as well, Lloydie, is that um, if you're Port Adelaide, you weren't going to get a look at Wardlaw or Sardis um, at the draft, that pick-up. It's um, a little bit, but I think that um, Horn Francis, in terms of that Port Adelaide midfielder, I know Kane's very excited about it as well. With Jason Horn Francis and Zach Butters, and Connor Rosie, Port Adelaide have, have constructed potentially the best young midfield in the game. And, yeah, I, I, I think they deserve great kudos, Port Adelaide, for, for going and getting all this stuff done and, and sacrificing a lot of selections to do it, but also bringing in these guys and, and making an impact for straight away under Ken Hinckley. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a pretty exciting day for Port Adelaide. Chris Davies will join us a little bit later on in the program. Cal, what's the latest with Ollie Henry? Still a standoff there, Kane. Um, Collingwood won't accept pick 25. I'll put that forward. That's been rejected. Um, put a counter offer there to move up from pick 16 to 7 as part of a, a pick swap there in Henry. Um, once they get to pick 7, of course, from the Jack Bowes deal. Um, and the Cats aren't going to do that. So I'm really fascinated to see. I know there's mm. a lot of talk about the, the Dunkley deadlock, but I, I think the Ollie Henry one as well is, is really, really interesting because... Um, who puts the flag in the ground on this one? Because Geelong don't have a lot more that they can offer, really. The other option for them is to, to pick up pick 33 in a space for Asava Radicalia and then package them together. But I'm still not sure that it suffice for, for Collingwood. They want a first-round pick if they're to let him go. So uh, no movement on that one. And now that uh, Luke Jackson is a Fremantle docker, will that free up Rory Lobb's move to the Bulldogs, do you think, perhaps today? I think the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle are set to discuss Rory Lobb today. So that will be interesting to see if there's any ground made on that one. Clearly, the Bulldogs um, are keen to get him in. Um, what would make that happen? Previously, that they've been prepared to offer a second-round pick, that number 29, or a future I think would, would want more if they're to let him go, given he's got a contract for next year and their leading goal kicker this year. So, look, I, I do feel like the Jackson move could um, spawn a couple of other trades or, or decisions for, for Fremantle to make, given there's um, obviously Rory Lobb who wants to get to the Bulldogs. And, and as we reported three weeks ago, um, Lloyd Meek wants to get to, to Hawthorne as well. He's got a contract too. So both of those players uh, are wanting to make moves. But Fremantle... But I, I, I think that um, that also is going to be tied into the Josh Dunkley um, trade as well. If... If the Bulldogs end up with pick 21 and a future first-round pick, would they be prepared to offer 21 for, for, for Lobb? And then on the other flip side of that, would the Dockers be happy to accept that? So, yeah, I think a lot to play out on that today. Mm, mate, you've had a big trade period. We'll let you go. I know you're busy and we'll hear from you with the trade exchange a little bit later on this afternoon. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Floydy. Kautumi broke the story of the mega deal, the biggest deal I think the AFL trade period has ever seen. North Melbourne get rid of Horn Francis and pick one. They get in pick two and three. Port Adelaide land. Horn Francis give up a couple of first round picks. West Coast lose Rioli pick two, but get some first round draft picks back in and greater Western Sydney. Well, 
They didn't need all the picks that they've had, so they traded out 3-12 and 12 to get in the number one pick in this year's draft. Lordo, what a day. Oh, huge day. And, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I can't see uh, anything that I'm, I'd be disappointed with for any club, to be honest. Like, it, the greater Western Sydney, I think, um, pressure's on a little bit to say, okay, just how good is is, mm. is uh, Cadman? But uh, good luck to them. They, they've been crying out for a key forward for a long, long period of time. Uh, they've had to bring in you know, even... Uh, yeah, uh, for example, uh, Jesse Hogan, uh, yep. you know, Rory Lobb, uh, Cam McCarthy. Yeah, they've tried all these different types, mm. but haven't you know, Tom Boyd even you know, comes and goes, Johnny Patton. Uh, so they just haven't been able to nail one, unfortunately, and they've struggled for goals. Um, so, yeah, they, they get their man. And, you know, North, I think if they weren't going to take Cadman, uh, it's fantastic that they get another pick to be you know, have their own pick too. And pick three, uh, you know, Port get their man. West Coast get two picks, uh, eight and twelve. So I suppose the one for West Coast is if, you know, Sheasel could have been theirs, for example. Uh, but I suppose they get you know two Western Australians that would want to stay. But are they as good as what they would have got at pick two? That's maybe the, the big question, I suppose. But uh, right. Kane, I can't wait to address after the break the big elephant in the room though, and that is the six-year deal. Yes. For Jason Horn Francis. Yeah, and I wouldn't be doing this program justice if we didn't go head to head after the break on how anti-six long-term deals yes. you are. Yep. But your man Horn Francis has got it at Port Adelaide, so I want to discuss it with you after the break. We will do that because John's texter as well. He says, "Kane, what do you think about a six-year deal for Jason Horn Francis, who has only played one year in the AFL?" We will clear the decks for you to have your say. Who's the winners? Who's the losers out of this deal? One three hundred twenty-three fifty-five forty-eight. And myself and Matthew Lloyd going head-to-head on the six-year deal on the other side of this. This is Continental Tyres, AFL Trade Radio, Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. I'm extremely frustrated by this. As I just don't know at what stage North Melbourne will decide to invest in a tall forward of note. And there's one sitting there. You hold the pick that will secure this guy for a decade. They overlooked Logan McDonald a few years ago and everyone said, OK, you've gone for Phillips, we'll wait and see. OK? And I understand that. It's a wait and see. But when you see what GWS have done to come up the board to get this guy, I think a country Victorian kid, like, he's an hour down the road. Like, this is perfect for them. Now, clearly they don't rate him as high as what everyone else does, mm. and that's OK. And time will tell. But it's a big gamble for a football club where not much has gone right for three or four years. David King speaking on Fox Footy last night. Dual North Melbourne Premiership player went head-to-head with Kingy a lot this year about the fact that North Melbourne did overlook Logan McDonald in the draft, and now they're potentially going to overlook another key forward. North fans are sending their text through thick and fast. Some unhappy, some looking at it more optimistically. I'm thinking it's a massive loss for North Melbourne as well. You trade out two number one picks and don't get a whole lot back, potentially considering Port Adelaide move up the ladder next year. So that future first round draft pick isn't going to be worth as much. Lloyd, he sees it a little bit differently than me. Uh, I, um, do, I do a little bit, Kane. Uh, I suppose yeah, I, I was speaking to a club recruiter and I t- touched this on this last week who said he, he, he's got to hold on to more marks, Cadman. He's got to do more. So it's not I don't I don't if it was Ben or Max King, maybe they would have said no nah, no nah, we're holding on to this because it's yeah this is a, a a chance that you don't get too often but maybe they just go you know what, uh, Cadman isn't as good as we believe uh, and we can get two two of the gun midfielders or or whatever we want to do with our selections, um, you know she's all a Petrarca type or you know or a Sardis who's like a Rolls Royce Hugh McCluggage type so they can get two rather than. 
a, a guy who we rate around seven or eight as a key forward. So, yeah, I can understand North doing it, but I think it's a, a strong argument from Kingy also. But I'm more going off a recruiter who, mm. or, or Cal Toomey who maybe would say, no, he's around seven or eight. He's not a number one draft pick. All right, you want to go head-to-head. Port Adelaide have given Jason Horn francis a six-year contract. Mm. I'll hand the floor to you, and then I'll respond with my thoughts after this. Yeah, Kane, you, you've been – for guys who have uh, shown their worth far more than Jason Horn francis I know they're not as young as Jason, but you would say, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And even to the point – has it been like Clayton Oliver? Yeah. Uh, those types. Kerno, who to me are, are proven – Proven players, and I haven't argued with you too much because I, I do, I'm also one who goes, oh, gee, that's a, that's a long deal, seven years for Mackay, seven years for Kerno. I haven't argued with you too much because I'd always go, you know, I wouldn't want to give more than four four years to a player, but if I had yep. to to keep him, I'd stretch to five. But I was dead against the Brody Grundy deal, and I remember uh, challenging Robbie Duraccio, his manager at the time, uh, in a, in a public setting around that deal. So, what do you say? to your club, Port Adelaide, who you love, uh, that they've just given a guy six years uh, on, I'm sure, big money Mm. to come who's been questionable in his first season of AFL footy. I detest long-term contracts, and I think rarely, if ever, do they work out in favour of the club. Now, there's a couple of exceptions. Mm. You you might say Dustin Martin, you you tick that one off, you're going to win three premierships and three Norm Smith medals, no worries. Buddy Franklin probably gets... Gets the tick. Other than that, I'm, I'm yet to see too many examples of them working. Uh, I can see why they've done this, though, and you might say that that's the Port Adelaide bias, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you why. So one of those years is guaranteed on on a standard yes. second-year player contract, which is going to cost them 120 grand plus match payments. So if he doesn't play, you know, 120 grand, well under the AFL average. So there's one. So it's essentially a five-year deal. The guy's 18. Like, he's, he's 18 years of age, so at the end of this deal, he's going to be 24, 25 years of age. It's not like Jacob Hopper, who's 27, and he's going to be Trent Cochin's age by the time that seven-year contract expires at Richmond. It's not like Tim Taranto and the same. In terms of the money, I don't know. We'll ask Chris Davies. I'm with you. I think it would be a significant contract. I would I would guess in the range, what's he worth I reckon they would have paid him between six and seven hundred, with some incentives to earn more than that if there were some benchmarks that are hit. But look, I don't, I don't love it on the surface, but I'm not completely dead against it. Considering the guy's going to be 24, what number one draft pick in the history of the game has been out of the system by the time they're 24? I don't reckon any. Hmm. So I don't think it's as big a risk as as perhaps what some people are saying. So, so what other long-term deal have you been happy with? Because that's what the, our audience will say. Like, you, you haven't been happy about any of them, but you're content with this one uh, for a player who, you know... Well, uh, well if, Nick, yeah. if Nick Dacos signed yeah. a six-year contract, I would go, OK, I can, I can understand. He's going to be 25 by the time he's finished. Now, people are saying... Horn France is a better player than Nick Dacos. So if if a young if the first pick in this year's draft signed a six year deal, Cadman, I'd say, okay, well he's going to be 24-25. And it's not a seven, eight Clayton Oliver long term deal at the age of 26, 27, which is going to take you to mid 30. So that 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 is how I would justify it in an ideal world. You'd give him four, but he's going to be 24 years of age and you back yourself in. You are taking a massive investment in him, giving up two first round draft picks to get him. You clearly rate him. Um, and I think there would be some protection in the deal that, yeah, if he hits some some benchmarks, he can earn big, big money. 
But on the surface of it, I I, I don't hate it um, like I have done some other deals. Like Rory Sloan getting five years at the age of 28 when he's had significant injuries is a bit different than Horn Francis getting a five-year deal, essentially, when he's 18 years of age. Yeah. Unfortunately, clubs just have to do it. And, and I think that yeah, in Jason's case... Uh, the only way, they're not going to get him, uh, I suppose, uh, unless the Adelaide Crows came into it, but they're not going to be able to challenge, uh, you know, offer him. It's interesting that Rankin signed three year, a yeah. three-year deal, but that gets him up to, uh, was it free agency? Uh, well, I don't know if it does because um, free agency takes into consideration how long you've spent at one club. Mm. So, uh, well, actually, let's have a listen to Justin Reid. He did speak about... Uh, Isaac Rankin, I think we've got, well, I'm not sure if we've got him on um, his contract, but he essentially said, I read the quote, that he's going to back himself in. He feels like he's got some foundations, so they were happy to go with three years and considering mm. there's big upside there. But you can have your say on it. Six-year contract for Jason Orn Francis. It's essentially five because one of those deals is already locked in as a second-year player in the system. Steve's on the line. Uh, he wants to have his say uh, about Jason Horn Francis. Steve, good morning. Yeah, uh, hi, Kane. Hi, Matthew. Kane, I'm just calling up to see if you're okay. Uh, I was a bit worried about you last night when I heard that your club had turned their back on you and uh, ignored you and your, your clear. And the three things you've always hated, Kane, are, are players that are unfit, players that are unprofessional, and long-term contracts. And they've basically signed a player who's never been fit uh, for a four-year deal, and they've now signed the most unprofessional number one draft pick that we've ever seen in the AFL and signed him to a six-year deal. Uh, and you talk about Nick Dacos signing in for six years. Well, Nick, Nick Dacos wasn't dropped twice last year for disciplinary reasons. And so you've got a player who's done absolutely nothing, and not only, and they've signed him to a long-term deal. And then you've got another guy who's had significant off-field difficulties and has never been fit, and you signed him for four years, and now you're trumpeting. I just, I feel really sorry for you, Kane. I mean, I, I personally <laughs> Strong start, Steve. Steve, I've, never, I've actually never been happier to uh, be a Port Adelaide fan when you, when you can potentially get the next Dustin Martin or Dangerfield, which is what they're saying about him. And, and I'm, I'm happy to read what your club said about him, and that's the Adelaide Crows when they offered pick 5, 6 and 14 this time last year to try and get Jason Horn Francis. And I know you got the steak knives with Isaac Rankin. I know he'll be, he'll be a good player for Adelaide, but on, real, you would really have the buyer's remorse that... Adelaide, 5, 6, and 14 for Horn Francis, committed to Rankin and weren't able to get him when he was available. So potential is a big word, Kane. Uh, yeah, potential, well, potential for Rankin's a big word no, as well. But, but potential Dustin Martin, that's a big call for... Well, no, that's what the club said. Tom, Bo I, I, Tom Boyd was the next Tom Hawkins too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, oh, that's not my words. I'm happy to go back and go inside the draft room when North Melbourne selected him. Mm. And the exact words from their recruiters was that there's Patrick Dangerfield qualities. But that's we hear the, that a lot from... Yeah, this well, that's, that's their words and not mine. Um, but anyway, I, I think it's worth the risk. Good on you, Steve. I, I do love the jousting with you. Uh, and good luck to your Crows next year. It's going to be a long haul. Aaron's in Frankston. Morning to you, Aaron. Good morning, Lloydo and Kano. How are you? I just wanted to say very quickly, first of all, I really admire your, both yours and Lloyd's passion and commitment to bringing the best in news coverage, doing the best you can year in and year out as you have. Love watching you guys on the Sunday footy show. You guys are fantastic. Thanks, Aaron. But with Grundy, I'm getting really uh, peed off with, uh, with Collingwood's grandstanding. They seem to want everything of everything when they're trying to secure a host of players. Now, I'm a D's fan. 
I'm very bullish that we can uh, rebound and win the flag this season coming up. However, with Collingwood's games they're playing that I hear in the media, I'm just interested to know whether you think there's much truth to the claims that Collingwood believes that they have all the power when they're the ones that have undermined Grundy. They're the ones that want him out. And, uh, you know, in principle, Grundy's accepted... um, a, a pay cut deal with the D's, but the D's are still willing to pay the bulk of the salary. We got pick 13 for giving up Jackson. Collingwood won our pick 13. What right do Collingwood have to have pick 13? Do you think that's fair when Melbourne are taking on a huge bulk of their salary? And do Good you on you, Aaron. Yeah, I, I think we get the, the, the gist of the call. Look, I, I'm surprised this hasn't been done. Lord, mm. Graham Wright from Collingwood spoke, what, about a week ago? and said the deal was essentially imminent. It's not going to be pick 13. Sounds like they're haggling over, you know, sort of 27 or 25. Like, it just mm. seems a bit ridiculous. I think Collingwood should accept it and move on pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a good call, I think, from Aaron. Like, that, that I, I really feel for Brody Grundy. He'd love to be playing for Collingwood. Uh, he's had to go through most of the year knowing that his club's going to move him on, and then uh, suddenly Collingwood start haggling hard, uh, which they're entitled to do. But I hope it doesn't get drawn out too much longer for Brody Grundy and he can settle at his new club, Melbourne, over the next 24 hours. Mm, strong um, text coming through on the back of Steve's text. Uh, Horn Francis has already shown he isn't the player the clubs thought he was when he was drafted. Um, I think that's a, that's a touch harsh. The guy's had nearly four coaches in his first season of football. Uh, but anyway, I get that opinion. Steve's got some anger issues. Someone needs a cuddle, says Mark. Six-year deal for a player that has shown if he doesn't like something, he gives in. Yes, Steve, says The Fog. Long co- long-term long contract for a bloke with an awful work ethic. Hi, Kane. Surely you must be very concerned that Port Adelaide basically have no draft picks in the next two drafts. They have really sold the farm, says another Steve. Horn Francis is 19-year-old kid with 17 games to his name. He ain't saving Kenny in 2023. It's interesting the pressure now he, he comes under. It's a, it's a total different discussion and argument, and, and we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, I know Eddie Maguire talks about it on Footy Classified that you know, it's one thing to be a number one draft pick or a top five pick, but the moment you change clubs and you yep. accept the big deal, uh, suddenly the pressure ramps up even more so. So mm. that's going to be a challenge for all players. Tom Boyd had to deal with it. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of players who have to deal with that sort of thing. And um, that's going to be for Jason in a two-team town in Adelaide. Isaac Rankin uh, yeah. and Jason and Luke, Francis. Luke, Luke Jackson's Luke Jackson as well, Sorry, yeah. It's, other examples of it's, that. It's a lot of pressure to hold. And when you're on a big contract... Again, um, that, that scrutiny goes up on you, um, and that's what you have to deal with. And I, I just hope for Jason's uh, sake that, yeah, he, he has a massive preseason. He's, he's going to do the work, and they'd know that uh, Port Adelaide, when they invested in him, that they'd have the trust that he's going to be willing to do things for Port that he wasn't willing to do at North because I agree he didn't look hardened or match fit uh, compared yep. to, say, a, a Dacos type in, in his first season. I agree with that. Uh, we've got a big edition of Truth or Spin. It's just taken the trade radio uh, world by storm, so we'll get to that. We've got a big list coming up this morning. Chris Davies is going to join us. Your calls. But on the other side of this, all the news of the day, and there's plenty of that. You're listening to The Early Trade with Kane Corns and 3W's Matthew Lloyd. It's for tyre power, tyre experts you should always trade with. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up.
Hey, Tyler's need stock fast. Beaumont Tyler's are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. And there is plenty of news around the place this morning, which may have been overlooked with that massive mega deal which dropped last night. And we'll go to GWS, Lordo, because they've made a late bid for contracted Hawk Jager O'Meara. This is according to Mark McGowan in the Herald Sun as they look to cover for the loss of Tim Taranto and potentially Jacob Hopper. I think O'Meara was at a wedding on the weekend. His connection with Stephen Cornelio and this is how this is all sort of eventuated. Uh, what's your thoughts? And I guess there's two aspects, what it means for GWS, but also the fallout for Hawthorne if they were to lose Gunston, O'Meara and also Mitchell. To me, Sam Mitchell doesn't seem too phased, uh, to be honest. Uh, t- certainly Mitchell, I think he'd be happy if Mitchell found a new home. It'd be easier and uh, a better situation for Hawthorne because Mitchell can't really play the role he wants to play uh, anymore. Uh, Sam's got him playing out outside the centre square a lot, which doesn't suit Tom Mitchell, O'Meara. Um, yeah, like he's been, he's been good, but they'd probably be happy to have his money out, and they could just keep building towards. And and Sam seems pretty comfortable in his own skin, yeah. um, you know. And even if they go backwards a little bit, it's about building towards the future for them. Uh, uh, but if they lost Gunston as well, that would be extremely young, which they you think they will lose. So if you lose three senior players, that could be you know, probably toppling over too far. But uh, if you're O'Meara, uh, do you want to move to to Sydney? Uh, to go to another bottom four club, which they potentially could be next year, Kane, unless you extend your contract by an extra two or three years. That's yeah. the only reason I'd go. That would be the motivating yeah. factor. I mean, the writing's on the wall for mm. Mitchell and O'Meara yeah. and all of those Hawthorne players, essentially, that are above the age of sort of 27, 28 with the direction that they're going in. So if O'Meara goes, well, if you give me a three or four year deal, um, it's good superannuation for me. I can help mentor some of the young midfielders at the Giants and, and be a part of a team where I'm in the in the best midfield group where he's probably going to be squeezed out at Hawthorne. So he's 28, he's contracted for 2023 at Hawthorne um, and then we'll wait and see what he would be worth in terms of a draft pick and Hawthorne might be enticed by that and Hawthorne will be probably the youngest team in the competition if those three are to leave. Uh, Laura, you want to chat about Jack Bowes? Yeah, I just uh, our producers just handed me an article around, uh, you know, written by Tom Boswell. I don't know Tom, but uh, he's from the Gold Coast, and he's written an article about Jack Bowes. And the the the, the start of it is departing son Jack Bowes has been left feeling betrayed by a club he has loved deeply and never wanted to leave. And it sounds like mm. it's you know, um, it's come from the Bowes camp, camp, or yeah, in, in terms of how close to it. It talks about how how he loves the club. Um, and he talks about his parents moved from Cairns to be on the Gold Coast, where his father Wayne, uh, you know, was working. Uh, it says he, he both wanted to be part of the first Sun side to play in a premiership. He bought a house in Queensland. His partners from the state. His trust has been broken. Um, uh, he talks about his holidaying in Bali when he saw media reports labelling him as a one-away son. It's really irked him. Uh, you know, he talks about you know how. Uh, he saw the writing on the wall when he was in mm. the rolling All-Australian sides in 2021, but then didn't feature in the club's top 10 in the best and fairest. So it just goes on and on about, um, yeah, how unhappy he is about the way he's been treated by the yeah, Gold Coast Suns. Extraordinary yeah. quotes there um, because we haven't heard a lot mm. from him. Um, and we're going to hear from Craig Cameron. He was on Sports Day on 3AW last night and spoke about the motivating factor behind pushing Jack Bowes out. But it's not dissimilar 
um, to Brody Grundy, really. It's mm. it's not a great way to treat your players, considering they extended his contract when he already had one year to go in 2019. So they didn't have to do that at the time. They did that. He was loyal to them, and now Gold Coast is saying, no, um, you are out, and, mm. and we just want to get rid of your money. So we'll hear from Craig Cameron about that. I think it's been an absolutely dreadful time for the Gold Coast Suns throughout this trade period. I, I think they're... One of the massive losers out of this. Lose another young player in Isaac Rankin. Treat bows like that. Um, and we'll wait and see. No, I just can't see how they improve next year from what they've done. Matthew's been waiting patiently. You want to speak about Asava Radagalia and, and this potential deal to Port Adelaide. Matthew, how do you see it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, firstly, with the Jason Horn Francis thing as well, like I've, I've heard you mention a couple of times, a couple of callers have said, like, you know, his work ethic and stuff like that. But I think that now that he's you know, under probably the mentorship of Travis Boak, arguably one of the hardest workers in the AFL, it, it should turn him around. And, you know, I was hoping to see uh, Jason head on a flight to LA to do the Red Bull camp um, up there with Travis. I think that'd be very handy for him. But um, now with the Asava Radigalia deal, I mean, I think Port only has 33 left. Does that get it done? Or, or did Geelong say no to that and knock it back? Yeah, well, I think it's in Geelong's court, really. And I think Lloydie made a great point yesterday. It would be up to Sava to go in and say, oh, I, mm. I I desperately want out. Oh, I just don't see myself as a as a starting player in this side. And, um, you know, I really want you to help me to get to Port Adelaide. If he was to say that, then I think the value of pick 33 is about right, as we've mm. discussed. But Lord, he seems to be a bit of a quietly spoken lad who may not be prepared to do that. Yeah, and you know, I didn't see the news report, but you know, a few people have said my brother Simon was on the news uh, you know, last week saying, no, Sava's going nowhere, he's staying mm. at Geelong. So it would take a Sava to keep uh, being strong otherwise. If I was Geelong, I'd say, you know, I'd rather keep a Sava Radigalia than, than 33 if they don't think this year's draft is that strong. So again, it would take a Sava to really push hard to go, I don't want to be here. I do not do not want to be here. Otherwise, I'd be keeping him rather than taking a pick in the 30s. Mm. Um, or I think been, or yeah. unless it unlocks some other things yes, that they're that's trying right. to do, including Ollie Henry, that True. may be playing into that as well. Uh, good on you, Matthew. We'll wait and see. Uh, I think Port Adelaide have achieved largely what they wanted to. It would be an absolute bonus because they do absolutely need to strengthen their key position uh, depth. On the other side of this, Truth or spin, and it's a, I've got to tell you, it's a big addition. But that was the news of the day. It was all for Beaumont Tiles right throughout the morning. You can have your say on 1-323-5548. Chris Davies from Port Adelaide is going to join us after 8 o'clock. It is the early trade for tyre power, tyre experts you should always trade with. All right, time for Truth or Spin. It's where we cut through the rubbish of this trade period, and there is plenty of that. Craig Cameron on the Gold Coast. I think he's had a dreadful trade period, but he was good enough to front up on 3OW Sports Day program last night. I don't see this the same way. I think the group that we've got at the moment will will stick together, and um, they they feel that they can build some long-term success. So... Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like we're a feeder club for, for Southern clubs. Um, the only thing that it potentially does is cause um, causes tension in the player payment area. Um, man- managers will often use it. It was asked about Isaac Rankin leaving again. Truth or spin that he sees success with the group that they've got, Lordo, and this will be the last of those players that want out after so many leaving the Gold Coast Suns. I'll say spin at this point that they are not a feeder club. 
for opposition clubs because it's uh, they've just lost uh, another three. Yeah, what is it? Uh, yeah, three at this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually later on in my list, Kane, uh, looking back at the 2016 draft. And in that, they had three top 10 draft picks. Mm. And they had uh, Ainsworth at four still there, uh, Will Brody at nine, and Jack Bowes at 10. And so they've lost two of those three top 10 draft picks. So what he did say in that interview too, that King's recommitted, uh, obviously Raul, Anderson, yep. those types. So that's fantastic for them that those guys have recommitted. And I hope they go again and recommit again. Uh, the challenge is going to be, can they get King to sign another contract after this one? Because they just can't afford to lose him. But uh, that, up until this point, it's been that they haven't, that there haven't been a feeder uh, you know, for the other teams. Yeah, I agree with that. He also went on to speak about their future plans. That some players ended up on contracts that were um, greater than their, their on-field performance mm. was. So uh, this is a preemptive decision by us. We, we know our play payments uh, free up quite significantly in, in, the future, in future years. We want to access that earlier because uh, we do think that we're headed in the right direction with our younger players. We want to access that earlier so we can bring some mature age players in. That was on the question of Jack Bowes and the reasons behind getting him out. Now they're saying they're freeing up salary cap room to bring in more experienced players in the future. It, it, it irks me a little bit that yeah. when they say, and it's, it's spin that players ended up on contracts more than their performance had warranted that that's correct but they're the they're the club that actually gave those players those contracts they no one was forcing them to pay these players ridiculous money in their third years that was them that did that and I think it's spin that they will be an attractive proposition to get um you know players from other clubs in I mean how many players have they been able to land in the history of the club marquee players from other clubs other than the first year which you know the ones that they selected didn't end up being as good as what the Giants ones were. But truth or spin that they will be an attractive place for, say, a big free agent from a Victorian club to go and play for? Well, Kane, I hope. I, I think that you know, this year was better. Um, you know, and, and I think that if if they can keep these these players that I just touched on before, the, the key three, uh, and uh, Miller's, Miller's fantastic for them. Yeah, uh, you know, Mitz is good. Uh, yeah, is, is good. Uh, and then, then you've got those, you know, Raul Anderson, and also King, uh, I I can see in the next couple of years, Kane, that they could land somebody of note if they can build towards you know playing a final next year. Uh, you know, maybe Old Child went there, played good football. Levi Casbot went there, played good football. So I think they are tracking in the right direction, despite falling away again in the second half of the year. But yeah, it's it's been poor what they've done. Uh, they they should learn from their mistakes. The some of the deals that some of these guys are on. Mm. Um, be, I, I, you'd love to marry it up against Geelong and say, okay, what output versus output, but they've had to overpay to keep guys up there. The Lockie Weller deal, um, I know it's not as as much as what we all thought it was, but still a long contract. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they put themselves in a horrible spot, and they're now just trying to make up for it now with with moving on a guy like Bose. Brody Rawlings is pulling the strings at North Melbourne. Firstly, um, we'll, we'll read what he had to say because we don't have audio of it, but he said, we've got some great young talent, 24 and under, and we've obviously just added to it with a couple of players from another club uh, with Logue and Tucker. Truth or spin that North Melbourne have a great group of under 24. So I had a look at it, Lordo, and mm. tell me how many of these names under the age of 24 you're excited about. So Lewis Taylor's 23. Solid Lewis, 
Who's this for? Sorry, Curtis Taylor. Curtis Taylor, yeah. He's 23. Solid, yeah, okay. solid player. Yeah. Bailey Scott's 21. It's third in the best and fairest, but an honest goer. LDU, absolutely tick, 23 years of yes. age, so I'll absolutely give you that. Larky's 24 in June, so just sneaks under the 24 age bracket. Good player. Yeah. Callum Coleman-Jones is 22-ish. Uh, he's he's uh, yeah he's a fringe AFL player at the moment. Jury's out. Mm. Tom Powell is a young midfielder making his way, so you know jury's mm. still out a bit, but you can see some talent there. Taron Thomas is 23 in March. Clearly the talent mm. is there. Not convinced on on the attitude and performance. Will Phillips jury is out, mm. and Cam Zerhart I love as a player turns 24 in May. Truth or spin that that is a great group of under 24s? Oh, spin based on that, Kane. Yeah. Mm. And Brady Rawlings also spoke about why they traded pick number one. It's not something we did lightly to trade Jason away. Um, the request came and it was a really strong request. We felt that in this situation, uh, we wouldn't get the best football out of Jason um, if he was to stay in Melbourne. Pick one's been involved in it, and reason being, we. Uh, We've got three players at the top of the draft or that we haven't been able to split all year. And our mindset is we can get two of those players through this trade rather than one of them. Um, who knows, it could be our best two players in this in this draft. And I think you'd probably say that's true, Thought and you've probably been saying that right the way through from the time we found out that Jason Orn Francis wanted out. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I don't mind. this. I like this play from North Melbourne. Yeah, getting two of the best three in the country uh, versus one, you know, and... He, and it's interesting to see whether Cadman was one of the three. And if Cadman wasn't one of the three, it's a, it's a no-brainer for them. And it's an interesting comment that uh, I like this comment from Brady Rawlings. He said, we want players at mm. our football club who want to be here and want to play for the jumper and their mates. That's not the case, obviously, so we need to look at that. So I was strong all along with that. Get Jason out. It's the best. Good for Jason. Good for Port. Good for North Melbourne. Uh, and everyone can move on. There you go. Truth or spin. Lordo says some truth with what Brady Rawlings says about North Melbourne. You can have your say, as always, one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. There's a massive list coming up. Chris Davies is going to join us. If I was, I want to speak about uh, Fremantle's targeting of Luke Jackson. So it's been revealed with an article that Luke Jackson has done with AFL.com.au that he met with both clubs, West Coast and Fremantle, mid-year. It's a... It's a yeah. Mature thing that we've sort of got to get our heads around now. Is it right that clubs can meet with players from another club mid-year, sit them down and make mm. their pitch in the buy round of a season where your team is chasing a premiership? I want to ask your thoughts on that, Lauder. Yeah, and and also, is that right? Uh, should um, it just be left to a manager for a second-year player to be meeting? You wonder why his form was off. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe, maybe a tw- uh, you know, 25-year-old would handle that well but not a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old like Luke Jackson. Yeah, so the quote is, it was about the buy break in the middle of the season. I got home and I was able to meet up with JL and Belly. This is on afl.com.au. I was really comfortable around them. So I reckon around that period of time, I felt I was leaning towards Fremantle. But I also met with West Coast and they did a really good pitch. It was nice to get to know them. But when I met Frio, I kind of knew that was the place I wanted to be playing. It felt right. Melbourne fans, how does it hear? How do you feel hearing that, knowing that you're trying to chase a second premiership in front of your own fans at Melbourne and one of your key players clearly has his priorities at another club? We'll hear from his manager, Jason Dover, a little bit later on. Uh, it's been a busy hour on Trade Radio. Kautumi joined us off the top. Chris Davies still to come. If I was and Lordo's list coming up next. 
Lloydie's List for Rhino Rack. Make space for adventure with Rhino Rack and their roof rack solutions for the all-new Ford Ranger. It's been back bigger and better than ever this year. Lloydie's List for Rhino Rack. Make space for adventure with Rhino Rack and their roof rack solutions for the all-new Ford Ranger. And Lordo, you want to take a look at a previous draft? I do, Kane. I remember when I was was growing up, uh, you know, through my football time, Sheeds used to always talk around, you know, 50 to 100 game players and and yeah, you know, that that's where you get your greatest growth and mm. you know improvement, and that's what catapults teams to become premiership players, uh, uh, premiership teams. And I went back and I looked at a few drafts, and and one jumped out at me in particular, and it was a 2016 draft, and it was a disaster for clubs who had picks in the top ten. And we we had an article we we both enjoyed you and I yesterday from Jay Clark, where he looked at you know the one to ten. Uh, and what they go on to do versus 10 to 20. But yep. this one was no good uh, for clubs. So we look at it. Uh, Andrew McGrath went at one. He's still at Essendon, but you know, still hasn't quite made it. Um, yep. Tim Taranto, he's left. GWS to Richmond. Hugh McCluggage went at three, still at Brisbane. Ben Ainsworth uh, went at four, still at the Gold Close. But then five to ten have left clubs already. And they were only six years in. So Setterfield went at five. He's already been at three clubs. GWS, Carlton, Essendon. Petrovsky, Seaton went at six. Carlton to West Coast. Scrimshaw at seven. Suns to Hawthorne. Griffin Logue at eight. Frio to North. Will Brody at nine. Gold Coast to Fremantle. And Jack Bowes at ten. Gold Coast to Geelong. So seven of the top ten, six years on, have left their football clubs. And, Amazing. Uh, mate, yeah, so, you know, Suns... Had um, you know four, you know that's that three three picks inside the top ten, only one left. Giants had two inside the top five, both gone. It really does hurt you, and so it had me revisit uh, that draft. Uh, and it's amazing some of the players who got taken later on. So Kane, at uh, I've done a top ten this list on that draft, the 2016 draft, redrafting because. Uh, how some clubs got it right and some got it wrong. And some who missed out on this list, uh, Mitch Lewis went that year at pick 76. Uh, Jack Graham that year went pick 53. Uh, Rioli, Junior Rioli went 52. Radigalia 43. Brennan Cox, 41. Jordan Ridley, 22. And Florent, 11. But here's my top 10. Uh, Todd Marshall, uh, Port Adelaide, went at uh, pick 16. Uh, pick, I've got number nine, Sean Darcy, went at pick 38. Yep. Nick Larkey, I've got ranked eighth. He went at pick 73 by yeah. North Melbourne. Uh, I've got Tim Taranto at seven. Uh, he went at pick two. Uh, Josh Dacos, he was a father-son, but 57. Pick 57, He's Josh Dacos, being a gun. gun. At number f- uh, four, uh, five, sorry, I've got Jai Simkin of North Melbourne, who's won a couple of best and fairest for North Melbourne. He went at pick 12. At number four, I've got Tim English, who went at pick 19 for the Western Bulldogs that year. At yep. number three, uh, McCluggage holds his position. At number two, I've got Tom Stewart in that 2016 oh. draft, who went at pick 40. And at number one, Shea Bolton of Richmond went at pick 29. So they superseded McGrath at one, Ainsworth at four, Setterfield at five, Petrevsky seaton at six, Scrimshaw at seven, Logue at eight, Brody at nine, Bowes at ten. So it was just a, a draft that just went wrong. And this is a type of draft this year that's interesting because I don't think clubs can get a full handle on what this type of draft is. So we'll revisit this one again down the track. Yeah. So of the original top 10, mm. I think you only had 
Two. Two. Yeah, two, two of the top ten. So he's got Shea Bolden, Tom Stewart, McCluggage, English, Simkin, Josh Dacos, Taranto Larkey, Sean Darcy, Todd Marshall as the redone top 10 from the 2016 draft. And there'll be a few clubs with good positions in this draft, hoping there isn't a repeat of the mistakes that were made uh, there. Lordo's list was a good one and a really interesting one and shows the value of absolutely nailing your first picks and how important these recruiters are. It was for Rhino Rack, make space for adventure with Rhino Rack and their roof rack solutions for the all new Ford Ranger, we touched on uh, Luke Jackson's meeting with both Fremantle and West Coast halfway through this year, Lordo, when yeah. Melbourne, well, Melbourne would have been, what, 10-1 and one or something ridiculous like that yeah. at, at, at that stage. Um, have you got a moral thought on whether it's right or whether the AFL need to um, come up with a, with a rule that you aren't allowed to make contact with players and all communication needs to be done through their manager's um, until the window is open, mm, hard, I, I don't know how how you'd you stop it. it yeah. yeah, how you could police it because yeah, I think the best clubs do get guys a year or two out. So you know, I think you know, no, you know, Jeremy Cameron clubs. If you're jumping in at trade time, it's too late. They would have been Geelong would probably been into him for a long time. I'm sure these boys like Tanner Brune and uh, those types have been chatting to oh, Jack Bowes, for example. Yeah, it doesn't just happen. No, well, yeah, when David Koch said yeah. something similar about mm. Horn Francis, yeah. that they'd been in contact not only with, with him, but also his family. So it extends further than just to the player. In in competitions around the league, I mean, you, can, you, you aren't allowed to do it and teams have been fined for doing it, but they have more frequent trade windows for in the NBA, for example. Teams can't make contact with the players until those periods open, but they have more regular trade windows, including during the season. If you've got a thought on it, um, you can have your say in whether the AFL need to do something to stop clubs meeting with players mid-year, or is it just a sign that the league is actually maturing and we back the players in to give their all to their clubs when they're contracted and then make the move at the end of the year, 0419 Okay, now I'm, I'm copying a bit of a hiding here in uh, Tom Stewart. Obviously, yeah, what a player he's been for all, all the strands. How could Stewart not be number one? He's the best defender in the league. Lordo, mm. Shea first, Stewart two, and Stewart's already three times all Australian. Stewart should be number one. I'll, I'm actually even looking at what for the in terms of the longevity the of yeah. the future too and, and who I would select if I had the choice and I would select, and it's a big call, uh, it, and it can go either way, I'd select Millie Bolton for what he offers that midfield forward over Stewart. No, I'd take Bolton. I, yeah. th- I think I think Bolton is a top five player in the game. Mm. He's 23 years of age. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, I, I've got no issue with that. I, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on Andrew McGrath as the, the number yeah. one pick and how far he has slipped out of that. And I, I agree with that, mind you. Mm. I, I think he's in a really interesting stage in his career, 12th in Essendon's best and fairest, which is a woeful result um, for him. So... Yeah, the Bombers um, didn't get that right. I love McCluggage as well. I yeah. think he's got the, the possibility to be a really, really good player, if not already. I think it's an indictment on the coaching and the development and the environment because uh, McGrath is just one of the best individuals you're ever going to meet. Uh, he's a hard worker, yet um, he may not be a midfielder, but he could well, he should be a high-quality halfback flanker like we saw in these early days. So... For me, I'm hoping that Brad Scott and then bolstering the way the club does things with their development and the way they do, uh, the way they train and the standards rise, 
that you see a guy maybe like McGrath in the latter part of his career that can be all Australian a couple of times and reach his potential because I think, as I said, it can be luck where you get drafted to at times because mm -hmm. you, one can walk into an environment and go, wow, look how hard these guys train. I'm going to follow their track. And others can be drafted into a team that rarely wins games and, and you really battle and struggle. And that's where Matt's I think McGrath's being part of. You can have a look at Lordo's list. We'll post that on our Twitter account very, very shortly. The redone top 10 of the 2016 draft makes for interesting reading. Matt's on the Gold Coast. Uh, Matt, uh, what's your thoughts on clubs speaking to players mid-year? Uh, I definitely hate it. I think it's the worst look for an organisation to do that. Um, you, you see it in the NRL as well. Like The NRL is massive with signing players a year before they're even gone to that club. So they're playing a full year with a team, and I just think it's a massive conflict. I, I reckon it's a bad look. Just wait for this time of the year. It makes it fun, makes it interesting, and keeps us all busy in the off-season. Guess the counter view is that you know it's unlikely that the player is going to make it a massive decision to uproot his life and move across the other side of the country in a two-week period. Yeah. So for for Luke Jackson, he's going to have to have met the coach, probably two of the facilities, perhaps even meet some of his teammates before he makes such a massive decision like this. So I'm, yeah, I'm a bit split on it. If I was a player and I was thinking about moving, I, I would want to meet with the club and those key people involved at the club. But I can also see the aspect of Melbourne fans going, hang on, this is a key player who's clearly distracted mid-year and no wonder his performance suffered as a result of that. You can have your say on it. Brady Rawlings has spoken to SEN Breakfast this morning, justifying the club's reasonings for trading uh, Jason Orn Francis and also pick one in this year's draft. We'll hear from him as well as the manager of Luke Jackson, Jason Dover, who spoke on Sports Day. It is the early trade for tyre power, tyre experts you should always trade with. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. Yeah, what a day it was yesterday with the mega trade involving four clubs. I think it was 14 draft picks were exchanged in that deal. Hey, Tylers need stock fast. Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. Uh, Brady Rawlings, um, I think he's list manager. I think he's coach. I think he's everything at North Melbourne at the moment. And he's clearly the only spokesperson doing the rounds. He spoke to SEN Breakfast this morning on why they traded JF, JHF. Yes, Sam, there's, there's always that option. Obviously, he's in contract, um, so that there's that option. The thing that probably um, people don't realise, we've got all the information as mm. a club. We know everything um, that has occurred this year. Um, so we've got all the information at hand, and a lot of people don't. Um, and our decision to facilitate the trade for Jason to go home was based on all the information we've got at hand. It's a significant whack, isn't it, mm. Lordo? Yeah, you can feel it building. Uh, I heard Sammy Edmund when I was driving in this morning on SEN, and he, he was talking about even there was a tweet, and, and it was it was yeah, it was, uh, it was a fake trade that Cam, Channel 7 put up, wasn't it? And oh, he liked uh, the post. Cam Zerha has a business, and, and it was like uh, the code was pretty much 10% um, off, and the code was about Horn Francis. That like you know get you know ten percent off that Horn Front you know if you use that code that he's gone and right. uh, you know you can see that it's getting to the point where you know that yeah, it's nasty uh, they're really disappointed in Jason 
So much so that I, I, I'll look at the fixture to see when Port plays North <laughs> next year. That's how much you can feel the, the tension and animosity between that and that, you know, in a sense, they, they needed this guy out. He was bad energy for the club. Um, and, you know, I'm not, you know, not degrading mm. him. Uh, he's going to mm. be wonderful for Port because he wants to be at Port. His father or stepfather, you know, Fabian Francis was fun, wonderful for Port. So, but, uh, yeah, no doubt this is best for all parties because it, it was not good in the end by the looks yep. of this. No love lost at mm. all between the club. We know everything that has occurred this year. We've got all this information at hand that a lot of people don't and our decision to facilitate the trade was based on all the information that we had. That's North Melbourne's Brady Rawlings. Now, further news, Melbourne have rejected an offer by Collingwood to swap first-round picks as a part of a deal for Brody Grundy with the Magpies holding firm that pick 27 is not enough for the two-time All-Australian. Yeah, I, once again, not sure exactly what Collingwood are up to here. Um, they want the guy out. They're paying part of his wage. Let's not demand too much in return for him. And the damage has been done. So Collingwood have proposed trading Grundy and pick 16 to Melbourne for the Demons pick 13 and 27. Melbourne have rejected that. That is yeah. the news of the day. A um, lot of texts coming through this morning, as you can imagine. Cam Zerha having a go at Jason Warren Francis leaving is a bit cheeky considering he held North Melbourne to ransom, negotiating with Essendon and only signed because Clarko did. Now Clarko's gone, according mm. to Darren. Um... Yeah, mm. so Luke Jackson's performance can't be blamed for meeting with Fremantle mid-year. Melbourne played him out of position. He played ruck forward. Imagine Matthew Lloyd playing forward pocket, then blaming him for not kicking enough goals. Position makes a huge difference. Well, the problem for mm. for Luke Lordo is that we're not sure he's got a position. That's yet. exactly what I was going to say, Kane. Like yeah, they they started him for that text text day. Like they started him ruck over Max Gorn for pretty much the last eight weeks. So if that's where he's more suited to ruck than forward. So they mm. had him in the rucks. So I'm not sure where that uh, text message is suggesting he should play. Like, because yeah. they played him ruck for over Gorn and then forward. Um, so I'm not sure where else he was going to play. So just on that topic, let's get to If I Was. If I Was for Henley Homes. Build a Henley solar-powered all-electric home and save up to 70% on your energy bills. So just on the back of that text, Jason Dover is Luke Jackson's manager and he gave an insight on 3OW last night about how Fremantle think about using him and what position he'll play. Yeah, part of the presentation they did to Luke um, had a bit around his role and um, Luke had communicated to them um, in the lead up that he didn't want to just be seen as a ruckman and they <laughs> certainly just didn't see him as a ruckman and yeah, they presented on a variety of roles, none of which I'll go into specifics now. It's probably more for Justin and the footy club to talk about um, from their end. But, yeah, safe to say, yeah, there was a mix of forward, um, ruck, but also, yeah, potentially midfield stuff and uh, and wing. And uh, I think he cheekily put up his hand and said, oh, I'd even happily play play back if it suited you. So, so Jason mm. initially said he won't go into what roles they see him play, but then sort of divulged it all. So forward, ruck. Mid, wing, and back. If hmm. I was for Henley Homes, um, buy a completed Henley home now. They're selling in Mickleham, Tarnit, Henley.com.au. If I was Freeman, I'd be careful on this hmm. because I think you can do a lot of damage to players if you chuck them all over the place. Young players need stability. Lordo, they need to know what sort of line meeting they're going to. Is it forward? Is it mid? You need to be able to train in the position. You need to be able to compete for the position that you're playing in. Luke Jackson is walking into Fremantle not knowing if he's going to be forward, ruck, mid, wing, 
or back. So I think mm. I think it is a bit of a risk. So if I was Freeman, I'd just be a little bit careful on on how you see him and how cute you're going to be with him. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, we've touched on this. I think uh, the the Blixarv's role of ruck potentially ruck rover and wing. Anywhere else, you're starting to mess around with the player. And I get it at Haleybury Kane. I get kids mm. say, I want to play here. I want to play there. And I'll say to them, okay, I'll give you the preseason period. But by February, I'll be saying, this is where I think you are best suited. And this is where you'll play the best footy for yourself. And this is where you'll play the best footy for our team. It's not about you. It's about our team and where everyone fits in. It gets really frustrating where everyone feels... Yeah, and no one ever wants says they want to play in the back line. It's all mm. these guys. Everyone wants to be midfield forward most yeah. of the time. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. They they would appease him, Fremantle, because they just wanted to get his signature. But now, uh, after a month or two, you've got to settle him into the role that's going to suit uh, or best suit them to what this big contract is for him. Yeah, I think it's fascinating to see how he will play and what how that plays out at Fremantle. Buy a completed Henley home and move in now if I was. If you've got one for us, send it through 0419187323. Can I just throw a little one? If I was Josh Dunkley, I'd be so nervous because, uh, mm. yeah, I just wonder if this is going to be the, the Wednesday nighter. Like when, when we're there, it's the, the trade finishes at 7.30 Wednesday night. And could this still be going? Uh, into those hours because to me it just seems like that this is the biggest standoff at least you know I think Melbourne Collingwood they they need him to go uh, they need to move him out so it's a bit of haggling but the Dunkley one how quiet is it like in terms of you know hear Pickers speak the other day the threats from the dogs to send him through to the preseason draft Uh, Brisbane not you know getting rid of picks that the dogs would have taken uh, if I was Josh Dunkley, I'd, I'd be really, really nervous uh, about how this one's going to unfold. Love it. You are listening to the early trade for tyre power. Tyre experts you should always trade with. Time for a couple of your calls and texts on the other side of this. And very shortly, Chris Davies is the Port Adelaide GM of football. Massive day for the footy club yesterday. He's going to run us through it. And what else they've got their eye on for the rest of the trade period. Uh, we'll be back after this. Equipped for anything for Coates. We're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. Head to coats.com.au. We're more than hire. We are equipped for anything. Head to coats.com.au. Justin Reed, the list boss of the Adelaide Football Club, was in a good mood yesterday after finalising the deal for Isaac Rankin. Let's have a listen. I think, uh, as you said, you always have ongoing conversations and, and, and Hamish and the team and myself have watched Isaac for a long time leading into the, the draft four years ago and, and we knew uh, being a Crow supporter as a kid, um, you know, he was jumping off his couch at the age of four in a Crow's Goonsie with his dad. So um, this year we obviously kept in contact with his management, um, but I think a bit of a light bulb moment when he played on Adelaide Oval, v Port Adelaide, and he had his family in the change rooms, I think that really opened up the door for us. So uh, once, uh, I guess, I'm not sure what round what that was, but once that round happened, uh, things moved pretty quickly after that. I think they're equipped for anything in their forward line. Adelaide love their love their best six. Good mix of youth and talent. So it'll be Rankin, it'll be Walker, it'll be McHenry, Phil Thorpe, Fogarty. Um, so it's I mean, I mean, and and uh, Rochelle. So it's mm. it's a really solid front six, Lordo, that uh, will have Crows fans excited about it. So I think the forward line's equipped for anything. Just not convinced about 
Adelaide's midfield. That would be my, my query on, on their list at the moment. And it's great the word exciting's used because that hasn't been the case with the Adelaide Crows in, in recent years. But, uh, yeah, this, they've drafted in some high quality uh, and then traded in some high quality. Uh, one of left field, Kane, I think Brad Scott needs to be equipped for anything. Always a few murmurings around board challenges mm. and challenges to David Barr. What are you hearing? Uh, well, that in the next maybe week, Kane, or even earlier than that, that we'll know uh, as an industry whether uh, there is going to be a challenge to the board and to David Barron, which would just unsettle everything and just make things... So if you get to that situation where you might have to add on a few board members of another team's challenge and, and you know, just to appease and come together and try and negotiate those types of things, Kane. So yeah, there yep. could be a bit to play out uh, in the next week yeah, you know, so, Essen. Yeah. So, despite everything, <laughs> there's a bomb. Mm. Despite everything going on, and despite the the mistakes, which you know, I think you've been open to to admitting there's yeah. been a few. You would not like to see a, another board challenge, surely? No, no. I think that uh, they come together and, and just talk about what's in the best interest of the club, and if there are a couple of people who are, are unhappy, will come in and go, okay, I, I can bring this to the board. Uh, but then if they feel there's a new chairman who would be better than Dave Barham, well, that's another, that's another d- debate. So that could be, yeah, that's where AGMs and uh, or mm. whatever the other ones are called, Kane, yeah, where you, you sort of, you know, it gets to uh, annual, a, 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 what is it, uh, what Collingwood were at that situation with Jeff Brown and Jeff Brown had to get to people and he had to negotiate and stop those people. You know that we had those yeah, guys yeah, on yeah, footy club. Yeah. That's where you can get to where it can just, it's a waste of everyone's energy. And that nothing ever eventuates to too much, but that is uh, what's brewing uh, potentially at Essendon in time, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's equipped for anything. A lot of text coming through. Apologies, we haven't been able to get through all of them this morning. Gary says, though, if I was Melbourne, I would have played Luke Jackson in the VFL once it was known he wanted to play elsewhere in 2023. Luke asks, are the Hawks cutting too deep? Gunston gone. Mitchell and O'Meara potentially leaving. Uh, Shields and McAvoy also retiring. It, it is a risk that you go too far. And I think the importance of keeping those experience around the youth has, has played out at North Melbourne and certainly Adelaide. Uh, pick 21 and a future first round pick for Josh Dunkley is under based on the Taranto and also the Adam Chera trade from last year. Brisbane Lions are obligated to honour their commitment to Dunkley and meet the dogs halfway, says the J-Dog. Uh, Chris Davies has had a, had a busy period. He has always been generous with his time. Uh, throughout this period. So we'll get his view on the Jason Orn Francis deal. We've already heard from, from Brady Rawlings and the North Melbourne aspect of it. And I guess there's been some really strong barbs thrown at the way of Jason Horn Francis and his camp. We'll get Chris Davies to respond to that when he joins us on the other side of this. That's coming up next. Uh, we'll get to Chris Davies very, very shortly. He's going to join us in a matter of moments. Uh, Pete Ryan from The Age has just tweeted that Port Adelaide have picked 33 on the table for Geelong's Sava Radagalia. Now, we know Radagalia is contracted, but he is seeking further opportunities at Port, and the Cats may be tempted as they seek currency to satisfy Collingwood in exchange for Ollie Henry. Pete Ryan from The Age there, um, and we'll ask Chris Davies about that when he joins us very, very shortly. Are the murmurs of Jager leaving actually gaining traction from within Hawthorne? I think Mitchell going is a win despite his ability, but O'Meara definitely too deep if we don't get a top 20 pick, um, says Matt. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 we're not sure. I guess it was a report in the News Corp papers 
from Mark McGowan about that. But we'll get back to that very, very shortly and assess that information out of Hawthorne before we finish today. But it's time now to get to Port Adelaide's GM of football. His name is Chris Davies on what was a significant day for the football club, perhaps their biggest trade in the history of the club. CD, thanks for your time. Having a few yeah, issues. a few line issues, unfortunately, we'll, Kano. Uh, we'll get, yeah. We'll, we'll get the guys out the back who are um, scurrying along to sort out the issues. Apologies for that. We'll get to Chris Davies very, very shortly. Uh, if you want to check out Matthew Lloyd's list as well for Rhino Rack, they've just posted it to our social media account, Trade Radio. He's redone the 2016 AFL draft, and it's a, a significant one with Shea Bolton being ahead of Tom Stewart. There's been some strong feedback on that, Lordo, but I couldn't agree any more with you. Mm. Um, yeah. And there was a few others that said, oh, where'd surely Jared Berry, who was uh, later on in that draft, should have got an honourable mention. Someone also mentioned Brandon Parfit, but Parfit being a, yeah, a fringe player at Geelong this year. So certainly, Yes, that's uh, <laughs> so it must have been a cat supporter there, Kane. And Sam Wiedemann seen two in the hangar as well. Yeah, we that's uh, reported in today's paper. So you just wonder whether that one will go through today for a late pick as well. Yeah, a lot of texts coming through as well. Could Geelong and Melbourne get together and bundle up a deal for Henry and Grundy? I would think that's unlikely. If I was the D's, I'd be offering the Hawks pick 27 for Gunston. Might be overs, but it is what we need. We have discussed that a bit. Uh, unlikely that anything significant, uh, a backflip like that would happen with you know just over 24 hours left of the trade period. Right. He's with us now, I believe. Uh, Chris, we were just having some issues, but hopefully we've got you now. Thanks for your time. No, good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Brilliant. I was just doing some of my best padding work <laughs> there, CD, and it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. How have you woken up now that the dust has settled on this mega deal? No, look, woken up yeah, really, really happy. Yesterday, Yeah, we feel, was an exciting day for our footy club, obviously. We had a disappointing year on field last year, but hopefully this gives us some momentum um, leading into the 2023 season for, for not only our playing group, but also our, our members and supporters. Are you disappointed at all in the rhetoric coming from North Melbourne um, over the character of Jason on Francis? I, I think we can read between the lines with that. Now, Brady Rawlings this morning has done the media rounds and he said, we know everything that has occurred this year. We've got all the information at hand and a lot of people don't. And our decision to facilitate the trade for Jason to go home was based on all the information we've got at hand. What do you think he means by that? Look, that's a good question. It would be better for, for Brady to expand on that. What I, what I do know is that um, if we had rewound 12 months to this time last year and anyone suggesting that they were going to end up with Jason Horn Francis would have been getting a player of supreme talent. Um, we think we can bring him into our environment, which has you know a lot of good quality people and players uh, in it, uh, who Jason can learn off of. Uh, I know that that was really important for for Jason as well. You know, he's clearly in my meetings with him. He wants to be the best player he possibly can be, and I've got no doubt that in the Short part of you know a player's career, he needs to learn you know a whole heap of um, work ethic, those types of things that um, that don't necessarily come um, just with you know having played up to your under eighteen years. So hopefully we can get in, in into our program. Came with with the likes of Trav and Ollie, um, you know Connor Rosie now, um, and um, and he can continue to elevate his game into the future. 
So there's nothing out of the ordinary with, with, with his character. There's nothing you'll be surprised with other than he needs to increase his professionalism and his work ethic to, to match the talent. Yeah, but I think that that's, that's the same for any young player. I mean, you know, here's, here's a guy who had um, an extraordinary amount of scrutiny on him in his first year. Uh, as I say, if, if we rewound last year, there was, there was no club in the AFL who wouldn't have taken Jason Horn francis with their first pick, maybe outside mm. of Collingwood. So, mm. um, yeah, the reality is, you know, we can look back over the last 12 months and say whatever we want, and people are clearly going to have an opinion on that when a trade like this goes down. But, yeah, we think we can provide him with the right environment for him to be as good as he possibly can be. You know, he's a, he's a young lad in my conversations with him at the moment, um, yeah, he's a young lad, as I say, who wants to be as good as he possibly can be. Um, and, uh, and you know, we're hoping that that's going to be a really good player in our environment. Chris, did things ramp up between yourselves and Jason Horn francis once the Alistair Clarkson, you know, uh, you know, thing came about with Hawthorne? Or was this always going to happen where you'd be in talks with Jason at this time of year? Because I just wondered whether the timing was that he was promised things, Jason... He thought he was going to have a coach that he could maybe have 12 more months with and see whether he could make it work at North. Did that play a factor in it? Oh, look, yeah, Matthew, that, that would be a specific conversation for Jason, but I think it's fair to say that you know, you, what we all saw last year was an, was an unsettled player uh, at a relatively unsettled footy club. And so um, you know, whether he wanted to put himself through another period of time um, you know, with a with a club who was unsettled is is probably where you know the conversations that he's had with us you know have um, have led to. There was nothing specific that he's ever mentioned about Alistair Clarkson or you know what um, you know North Melbourne are, are going through specifically right now with Clarko. So um, you know, I think just a a number of factors on top of that you know unsettled club. You, you had an unsettled player who wanted to to get home to his family. He's got you know young siblings. Um, you know, he, he's made a decision to come home and you know, let's face it, it's pretty courageous for, for a person there to be willing to put his hand up and actually make, make it happen as well. So it's not just about you know, su- suggesting he was homesick. He actually wanted to get home and he was, he was desperate to make it happen. Um, you know, these deals don't get put together without multiple clubs who are willing to, um, to facilitate their own outcomes. So you know, let, let's not think that Port Adelaide have, have won this trade solely. We had four clubs who have got what they wanted. Um, and, um, you know, we leave the deal, you know, really happy that we've been able to get both um, both Jason and also Gina Rioli. Was there a stage there at all that you thought you'd have to lose a quality player yourself to get this trade to happen? No, look, I mean, that was that was where I think Jason Cripps, our list manager, has done, you know, largely his, his best work in not... Um, having to give up a player, you know, as as part of this, we went into this negotiation really wanting to hold on to our young talent. I mean, at the end of the day, we've taken, I think, the most, the third most players in the first round of the last three drafts outside of Gold Coast and GWS. So we've got some really exciting young talent on our list that Jason has been able to retain as part of this deal, uh, and we've obviously been able to bring in a supremely talented one in Horn Francis. So the six-year deal we've d- discussed, and um, I'm anti-long-term deals, CD, but I wanted to ask you how you value, in terms of your player payments, a player such as Jason. So the, the talent is there, and on talent, you've you've got to pay for that, and you've got to pay extra to get a player out, and without revealing what you've paid him. How do you go about coming up with a contract that 
is fair for a player who hasn't done a lot yet in the game? Yeah, I mean, these conversations are always risk and reward, aren't they, Kane? And and it would be fair to say, mate, that I'm well aware of your adverse <laughs> uh, reactions to long-term contracts. Um, so, as you say, it's, I mean, he's obviously got one year of that initial two-year deal to go, and then it's a five-year extension. Um, you know, our discussions all along with Jason and his management weren't necessarily about money, but it's fair to suggest that, you know, Jason um, will receive um, an uplift in his salary, but also there's... Um, some protection for the club in that deal. You know, um, if if Jason becomes the player that we think um, he is going to, then then he will be more than fairly um, remunerated for that. And that, mm. yeah, I think when you when you leave these situations, all you can ask is fairness on both parts. And and you know that was clear for Jason. But you know, I'd also add you know, Ben Williams, his manager. Um, there's some courage in what he did as well because you know they've, they've copped a bit of backlash. Be fair to say, I'm, I'm aware of that. So having a strong player manager in this situation is also important. When you say protection for Port Adelaide, what do you mean by that? Is that around professionalism clauses for Jason? No, 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 not at all, not at all. Look, um, yeah, Jason's wage is not astronomically high that that we wouldn't expect him to to continue to grow and be better. If he does that, his wage will increase. That's that's the reality of of our industry. Um, it's, it's very rare, Matthew, as you know, that a player signs a deal and gives any money back if he's, mm. if he doesn't play very well. So, you know, we, we've gone into this really fairly, as I say, it was never about money for, for Jason. Um, but, um, we think we've struck a really fair, um, you know, outcome for all parties here and, um, really excited for, for what Jason is going to bring to our footy club. Not only, you know, he is a player, but I think he's he's the type of player who can make players around him better as well, which should be exciting for, for our other midfielders. So we have to ask you about Asava Radigalia. Uh, the, the discussions, how are they going with Geelong in terms of executing this trade? I've been pretty slow, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, we're, look, um, you know, as, as Kane mentioned in the intro, the part that I did here, you know, we've, we've got pick 33, now, um, which is which is probably the the pick that we've got uh, earmarked for um, for Asava, if if that was to be um, what Geelong were were willing to do in in sort of dealing. I don't think anyone's going to leave the trade period thinking that 33 is not a reasonable pick for for Asava, in, um, given you know, his lack of playing time in the Premiership team. But the challenge here is whether um, Geelong want to want to trade a player who, who wants to leave. You know, he's, he's been clear in the fact that he wants to leave Geelong and wants to come to Port Adelaide. But, you know, um, uh, it's Geelong's prerogative as to whether they, they deal on that or not. Do you have a backup plan if, if this deal falls over for, for someone else that you, you're looking at? Or is this it and this will shut up shop for your trade period if, it, if it's not, if it's not yeah, back? I think, yeah, I think if it's not a Sava Kane, we'd, we'd, we'd be very you know, comfortable taking that pick to the draft where obviously, you know, we Jason Cripps was, was really keen to keep, keep pick 33 in order to have that on the table, you know, to Geelong for us other. But um, as I say, it's their prerogative as to what they, what they do with him. He's contracted. So we're, we're aware of that. Um, but, uh, you know, worst case, um, if you can say that in a trade period where you pick up last year's mm. number one mm. pick and, and a guy who you think, you know, can actually help, your team in, in junior Rioli in an area of the ground that we have probably let ourselves down in, um, you know, that that would be to go to the draft. 
On on Junior Rioli, Chris, yeah, he does have a lot of talent, but I, I I can't fully trust Junior Rioli as a player in what I've seen at West Coast. Uh, what about those discussions with him and having the faith and trust that he's going to be the professional player that you want him to be to have a great career with Port Adelaide? How how strong do those discussions get with a player when you when you're about to recruit him? Yeah, I mean they they get strong enough to make sure that the player is aware of, of what um, your perspective on him is. Uh, in fairness to Junior, yeah, he's, he's had uh, you know, a few tumultuous years, some of which you know, were his own doing, and, and he's put his hand up on that, and he's served you know, the time that he needed to out of the game based on some of the decisions that he made. But you know, he's, he's coming into a club which will you know, support him. Um, um, you know, he's going to have far more family um, around him uh, in Adelaide than what he had um, at the, the West Coast in the end. Um, yeah, we think we can provide the right environment for him to um, to be as good as he possibly can. You know, Ken Hinckley as a coach has a has a large emphasis on fitness. So, um, you know, when he reports back, you know, we're, we're, we're sure that he's aware that he's going to have some expectations on him around, you know, the way that he presents himself. But, you know, there's nothing that I've, um, had conversations with Junior that wouldn't suggest that he's up for that challenge. Now, um, again, in all of these situations, they're risk and reward. I'm not. I'm not blind to the fact that um, there have been issues over time. But you know, this is, as I said, an area of the ground um, which we need some help. You know, Junior is a player who, at his best, can clearly help us. Um, so our challenge is to get him fit enough. CD, oh, I think it's a, a significant day for the footy club. I think it could be one of the best trades of all time, but that's just my opinion. We thank you for you explaining it to us this morning. Always generous with your time on Trade Radio. Appreciate it. Good on you guys. Thank you. Uh, John Ralph reporting that Geelong has given up its future second and fourth round is to get pick 25, so uh, the guys will discuss that on the early trade. We've got one day left tomorrow. Look forward to seeing how this all plays out. Lordo, you have a terrific day. You too, Kane. The early trade is up next. See you tomorrow morning from 7.